the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're so glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministry is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer for you today is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God designed you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We're going to finish up chapter 1 of Philippians. We're getting down to the end of chapter 1. We're going to do the last three verses. We'll go back a little bit and finish up. But uh, as we get to the end of the chapter of Philippians, Paul takes a new tag. He's not going to speak to his circumstances at this point. He's going to speak directly to the Philippians. And Paul is not dealing with what they know so much as how they live. How do they walk? You know, my wife was telling me uh, the other morning, I can't remember, two or three days ago, that she had overheard or heard an interview with Henry Blackaby over the radio. And while I'm quoting this third hand, he said in essence that the church has lost its integrity before the world. So we are to be salt and light, but salt, the salt that loses its savor is to be thrown out because it's worthless. You know what salt and light really is? It's contrast. That's what it is. Of course it is the person of Jesus. But in reality, for the world's perspective, it's contrast. Without it, it has no use. If it doesn't strike a contrast, then it's really not there. Christians have life with Christ within, but many today are using, as I can testify in my own life and in counseling others are using the same coping mechanisms that the world uses and they're living life as if they have no God there's no contrast Blackaby makes the point that the church at one time was a source of wisdom and balance for the society but now we're largely ignored except to mock our faith or point out our failings Now, when we begin to talk about, as Paul talks about behaviors, we begin to talk about this. I want you to understand something. What you do is important, but the heart is the truth of it. The heart is the truth of it. Some of us have grown up in churches where doing was all the emphasis, but the heart was never there. And then we got free of the doing. And in that freedom, just like there can be a looseness and a wayward heart in legalism, Pharisees are the classic example, there can be a looseness and a wayward heart in liberty. And what we see now is that people now have a liberty to pursue their affinity with the world in a lot of cases. 
And God does give us that liberty, but I'm, I'm here to testify that it is not for us. We were made for Him and Him alone, not for this world. And we do not understand the reality of what it means to be a Christian because we've defined the Christian life by the affinities of this world. We have judged whether or not it's worthy by the affinities of this world. And we said what is good is what the world calls good. So Christianity does not measure up in the world's mind. One of the principal things that we're going to be talking about tonight is suffering. Now what, is that, what image does that create for you? But do you know that in the life of a Christian it's something totally different? You know, today many of the churches have become community centers where people congregate for relationship and entertainment. Listen, a community center with Christian emphasis is not distinctive. Religion is not distinctive. To the world, all the churches pretty much look alike. What they see is the same weaknesses that they have dressed up going to church. And programs are not salt and light either. They're just programs. And the world, when the world sees another church, they think, well, there's another group of religious folks that basically go to church on Sunday and live like I do Monday through Saturday. Christian, for us to be distinctive, we need to understand that being distinctive is not just professing Jesus. It's not just talking about Jesus. It's living Jesus. And if we're not living Jesus, it's little wonder we have no testimony, no sense of value in our identity with Him, no, no hope or joy or worth in it. It's little wonder that we would find the world more attractive. Because, listen, what I told you in Ephesians, the truth is, is that we are affirmed when we live it out. It becomes real when we live it out by faith. And if we refuse to live it out, just knowing it won't help you. And we know hundreds of thousands of Christian lives that are absolutely no different than this world. They have no hope. They're living to the same things the world's living to. And they will tell you, well, I tried. No, they didn't. Not really. You see, the Christian life is for the simplest. It's for the weakest. We are to yield and let Him be life to us. But apart from Him, there is no life. Now, Paul is addressing conduct or behavior in the, in the verses that we're going to go through, but I want you to see the heart of Paul. He just told them in verse 21 that for him to live is Christ, no matter what the circumstances. Without Christ, there was no life. Christ was life. And it's only in relationship with Christ that he finds any value in living at all. And he wants the Philippians to share in, in the freedom of this singular focus. That they may enter into the true joy of living. What it means to live. He says in verse 25 that he believes he's going to survive the situation he's in. The prison situation that he's in. So he can come to the Philippians. He believes God's going to let him survive so he can come to them. And here's the message. I'm going to read to you Philippians chapter 1 verse 25 and through 26. And see if you can discern 
Paul's agenda and Paul's goal in these two verses. He says, since I'm convinced of this and I know that I shall remain and stay by you all to promote your progress and joy in believing so that in me you may have abundant cause for exaltation and glorying in Christ Jesus through my coming to you. You can see Paul clearly states his agenda. Paul is saying God's purpose for keeping him around is to teach them and to grow them, one, but teach them and grow them how? He says, I want you to have progress and joy in your believing. Listen, that's my heart. That's my heart for you. That you as Christians can know the truth and the joy of believing. The fullness of the life that you've been given. That you may progress and live this life out so that you'll know who you are. That's my joy. That's my agenda. That's what we're about. Because listen, the world is dying. And the affinities of this world are becoming more and more poisonous. And the contrast, though you may not try to live there, is becoming more and more stark. But I believe that the people of God, that those who would be saved by the truth that is within them, should choose and begin to live to the truth that is within them. You will never know the value of the life that you have been given on this earth until you know what it is to live out of His life. This earth won't have any value to you. It'll only have value as the world gives it value. Well, one day I'll graduate and I'll have my degree. Well, one day I'll get married and it'll be wonderful. One day I'll have a family and it'll be great. And one day I'll I'll make money or one day I'll have the right job or one day I'll have... And it'll always be one day. But I'm going to tell you that each day will be as hollow as the day before it because there's only one place of hope and joy for us as Christians. It's in Christ. That's where our life is. Doesn't it make sense? Paul says, I want you to progress and have joy in your faith and in your believing. And that's how we live it out. Romans chapter 5, verses 2 and 4. Through Him also we have our access, entrance, introduction by faith into this grace, state of God's favor, in which we firmly and safely stand. And let us rejoice and exult in our hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. Moreover, let us also be full of joy now. Let us exult and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produce patient and unswerving endurance. And endurance fortitude develops maturity of character, approved faith and tried integrity. And character of this sort produces the habit of joyful and confident hope of eternal salvation. Do you see that the reality of who we are becomes not only apparent to the people around us but to ourselves as we are squeezed by life. Life comes out of us. And we see that as a persecution but I'm going to tell you that God gives it to us as a gift. It is a blessing. It is a revelation. And it is as we walk. You see at the beginning of this, 
Through Him we have the access. And through Him we can walk in these things. Only through Him. This is what Paul's wanting for the Philippians to embrace. And it's also what he's living out in front of them as he sits in prison or in chains. And you know that's what makes Paul's life distinctive and gives his testimony integrity. He is not mourning the loss of his worldly comforts or even his physical necessity. He's proclaiming the abundance of knowing Christ. We say we have Christ's life, but what does that mean? Well, for Paul, it meant joy because he lived it out by faith. He refused to hope in this world or have life defined by this world. He stood in what he believed. He conducted himself according to what he believed. Therefore, he experienced the joy of believing. That's what Paul wants for the believers at Philippi. Look at verse 27, first chapter of Philippians. It says, Only be sure as citizens so to conduct yourselves that your manner of life will be worthy of the good news, the gospel of Christ. So that whether I do come and see you or am absent, I may still hear this of you, that you are standing firm in united spirit and purpose, striving side by side and contending with a single mind for the faith of the glad tidings the gospel now Paul starts with that word only which means that this is an important emphasis it is the emphasis that's going to give context to the following instructions he says only be sure as citizens to conduct yourselves that your manner of life will be worthy of the good news and Paul says citizens but he's not talking about citizens of Rome He's talking about citizens of heaven, citizens of God's household. Ephesians 2.19, Therefore, you are no longer outsiders, exiles, migrants, aliens, excluded from the right of citizens. But you share citizenship with the saints, God's own people, consecrated and set apart for himself. And you belong to God's own household. It says, Behave like you have been set apart by God himself. But you won't desire to behave like that until you realize the value of that kind of living. Philippians 3.20 But we are citizens of the state, commonwealth, homeland, which is in heaven. And from it also we earnestly and patiently await the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, as Savior. Now the thing you've got to understand is Philippi was a Roman colony, which means it was a little Rome. And living in the little Rome meant that the citizens of this colony had all of the rights and the privileges of Rome, even though they did not live in Rome. It was all conferred upon them. They were immersed in Roman culture. They spoke the language of Rome. They had all of the arts and cultures of Rome. They dressed like Rome. And they were extremely proud of their Roman citizenship. They, they invested everything in that. And you may may remember that this came up in Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Silas first arrived there. In Acts 16, verse 20 and 21, it says, And when they had brought them, that being Paul and Silas, before the magistrates, this is the Philippians, 
They declared, these fellows are Jews and they're throwing our city into great confusion. They encouraged the practice of customs, which it is unlawful for us Romans to accept or observe. Now, even though they were not, they were in Romans in name only, they used that whole fervor of who we are, identity, to whip the crowd up and to gain favor for their position. He says, we're Romans. Well, see, Paul is using that word citizen because the Philippians knew very well what that meant. They knew what what that was talking about. As a Philippian, you were not just a citizen of Rome. You lived for Rome. In all that you did for the corporate good, was for the corporate good of Rome. Your talents, your your abilities were all for the glory of Rome. You lived as though you were in Rome itself. You were a citizen of Rome, and you were proud of it. You lived in a proud interdependence upon Rome. You didn't live for the good of one, but you lived selflessly for the good of the state. And Paul tells them, you are to live in a manner worthy or true to the gospel as citizens of the kingdom of Christ. Now you can see how he is taking all that they know about being a citizen and he has moved it into the context of who they really are. And he says, even though we're not in heaven, we behave as citizens of heaven. Even though you are not in heaven, you now live out the truth of your citizenship. And this made sense. This rung a chord with them. In Colossians 1.13, it says, The Father has delivered us and drawn us to Himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of His Son of love. And if we don't recognize who we are in Christ, we don't recognize that we no longer live in the kingdom of the dark of darkness or the kingdom of this world, then we set our identity the same way the world does. But God has drawn us to Himself. He has drawn us to Himself that we might live through the kingdom of Christ, that we might live as who we are, that we might conduct ourselves as citizens of that kingdom. We can no longer accept the solutions, the answers and solutions of the world. We're not to live to the comforts of this world. We're not to live to the ideals of this world. We are to live for Christ and Christ alone. 1 John chapter 5, verses 3-5 through For the true love of God is this, that we do His commands, keep His ordinances, and are mindful of His precepts and teachings. And these orders of His are not irksome, burdensome, oppressive, or grievous. You know why they're not? Because they're in keeping with the truth of who we are. Because they're the natural expression of His life. Because we're not warring against ourselves as Christians when we behave in this way. That the commands, the precepts of God are our nurture. And it is our delight, our joy, our very offering, our, our center of living to behave in this way. For whatever is born of God is victorious over the world. This is the victory that conquers the world, even our faith. And what is he talking about there? That the victory that we have is in our walk in the truth. 
as we by faith going forward knowing that apart from Christ we can do nothing, we live out of the truth of Christ's life and in that life there is victory as God defines victory. That's a very clear distinction. Because what God defines as victory is Jesus. Not you overcoming necessarily. Not you being victorious in your own right. Not you having your own will. Not you being well and prosperous. He defines victory as Jesus, which is His life in you. He says, for whatever is born of God, that would be you, is victorious over the world. It's a done deal. But this is the victory that conquers the world. What is the victory? That life, Christ's life in you, as he works out the precepts, the commandments of God, fulfills them by his very life in you. Even our faith, trusting that it is not us alone, but his life within us. Who is it that is victorious over, that conquers the world? But he who believes, that's you, that Jesus is the Son of God, who adheres to, trusts in, and relies on that fact. We come back to the source. Who's the source of you fulfilling all the commands? Who's the source of you living out the the precepts and the truths of God? Who is the source of you in your life complying to this word? Who is it? It's Jesus. Jesus alone. Paul tells them in verse 27, Conduct yourselves according to the truth of who you are as a child of God, whether or not I come. In other words, Paul says in effect, Don't make me essential to your faith. You don't want anything in this world essential to your faith. There's only one thing essential to your faith, and that is the truth of your faith, and that's Jesus. Okay? Paul says, So I may hear this of you, that you are standing firm in your united spirit and purpose, striving side by side and contending with a single mind for the faith of the glad tidings of the gospel. You know, standing firm, we've looked at that before. That's a military term that says, I'm going to brace my feet. I'm going to stand rigidly firm. I will not be moved. No matter what comes at me. And this is an expectation of opposing force. We don't stand firm when we're just standing around. We stand firm in an expectation of an opposing force. We plant our feet and say, this is who I am. This is where I'm standing. I will not be moved. But we don't stand in our own strength. We stand in His. You see, it is a determination It is a willful determination to stand firm. It's a military phrase. United in spirit. Now I want you to understand something. That's a small s. And the Greek word there indicates heart or soul. So what he is talking about, being united in spirit or united in soul, that is a corporate union of belief among the body of Christ. Okay? And a determined action or purpose among the body of Christ. That means that we are of like mind, of like purpose, okay? Paul says, with a single mind for the faith of the gospel. Single mind gives us a picture of many acting with one head. Okay, well, who does that sound like? Ephesians 4.15 Rather, let our lives lovingly express truth in all things, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly, enfolded in love. Let us grow up in every way, in all things, into Him who is the head. 
even Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. So, who is the head? Where is the focus? The soul? Where are we going to find that union that we're talking about? The spirit of unity? It is when the corporate soul of the body of Christ determines to put its focus on Jesus and Jesus alone. That's the body of Christ. And that's how it moves. And that's how it functions. And apart from that, it doesn't function. When we walk in truth, when we show ourselves to be part of the body under one head, singular in determination and purpose, we give a testimony to the life of Christ within us and to the people around us. So how are we going to walk in truth? Well, Galatians 5.16 says, But I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and the desires of the flesh of human nature without God. Your bottom line is, it says, if you walk in the Spirit, yielded to the control of the Spirit, abiding in the truth of the Spirit, you will not gratify those cravings. You will not affiliate yourself with the world. You will not enjoy or continue to build an affinity with this world because your delight as is the Spirit will be in the Lord in the Lord alone and so you purpose your walk you purpose your direction you purpose your appetites you purpose all that you do from the context of that delight if you don't then there's only two places to be You're either committing yourself to the truth of God or you're living outside of it. That's not legalism, that's just the bottom line. Thank you for joining us today for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation. Rest in His life, moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. To get to know us better, visit us on the web at hislifefellowship.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If this message has blessed you, you can help support this program with your gift to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 781-529, San Antonio, Texas, 78278. And now, before we go, our prayer for you this coming week is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you and that you would remember that wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.